Welcome to the Nine Brawl Podcast, where we tackle daily life challenges and apply God's word to illuminate and preserve his truth while leading others to salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's join your hosts. Welcome everybody. This is Jeff Anthony. Sean Campbell. And let's uh dive into this deep subject of transgender. Yeah, man. So uh, the the course says transgender with an asterisk because they're trying to say it's a catch-all for everything that falls in there, right? There's okay. many different identities out there that um, people want to identify themselves as. Yeah. Um, I think what it, I would like to do um, is hear from Heather, who's yeah. in um, one of the uh, video subjects uh, talking about her journey. Um in transitioning from Heather to Jamie, and then from Jamie back to Heather. Um, before we get started there, um, how are you doing? Man, I was just thinking before we started that I know God has done something in my heart over the last 13 years, because probably before that, um, that was 2010, God really convicted me of this, that we're all just dirty, rotten sinners. And before that, I would probably have what unfortunately church world tends to have on topics like this was some form of judgment. Just reflecting on it now, before we started, like, I'm just heartbroken. Like, there isn't an ounce of judgment. And, you know, I'm not even sure how I'd respond. And I've been reflecting on that, how I would respond if, you know, someone suffering with gender identity walked in here i'm not sure how it respond but i know it's just in a spirit of lost like i don't know how to respond but it's not it's not judgment it is just i'm afraid honestly i'd be too sad for them in the moment to be able to respond in grace that i might see them more as just trapped in their sin rather than somebody that's created in the image of God that is confused as I have been about my identity. And so in, as a, kind of the opposite of judgment, I'd just be so sad, saddened for them that I might not be able to respond. And so that's something I need to work on. But, you know, admission is a perceptor recovery. And so just I praise God that judgment isn't in my heart and i'm i'm hoping that as we continue to talk that we have these conversations because we need to know how to have these conversations and and so i'm hoping with practice i get better and can refine that sadness into still you know having compassion but being able to pull it together a little bit better so that i can speak truth with grace yeah thank you for sharing that so this morning, right? I text you. Yeah. Like, I'm anxious. I'm anxious about this class, and, and and I feel the same way. You know, listening to last week's video and and this week's video, and hearing these experiences of the of our brothers and sisters that <clears throat> have to carry this cross. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I, I get very emotional about it, and I brought it up in in class today. We can take the word the word trans or um, homosexual out and insert any other sin into that that role, even though 
by God's grace, I don't I, I don't carry this specific cross that they have. I do I do have the part of lust, right, porn addiction, drug addiction. And I pointed out in class today that I identified myself that way. Yeah. You know, that I let it become me. And so I do, I do get sad for these people because I know what that feeling of loneliness is and what we feel that the world abandons us and um, that the church abandons us at the same time. Too often. Yeah. But I come to realize as well, when we allow that to be our identity, we become blind to those who are actually trying to help us as well. And uh, I think Heather does an amazing job talking about a, a location that she went and how the ch church embraced her. And I thought it was just a, amazing. And I know we're going to have a conversation regarding that. So let's go ahead and let's let Heather tell her story. Yeah, let's get started, man. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my dad was primarily Catholic. My mom was Protestant. And when they got divorced in when I was in second grade, um, I ended up going from Catholic church to Protestant church. And for me, that was really confusing because I was getting different messages about who God was, who Jesus was, what the point of all of this religious stuff was anyway. And in that time too, my relationship with my dad was really, really difficult. Um, like he was verbally and emotionally um, and at times physically abusive. And I projected all of that lack of like love and safety onto God too. And I figured like, God, like if you love me, why are you letting my parents do this? Like, why are you letting my family be this way when like you're supposed to be a God of love? My dad had this really narrow view of what gender and sexuality were supposed to look like. He said that women should like to cook, like to wear dresses, um, have like long hair, earrings, and love to wear makeup. And I like to wear camouflage, play with my brother's G.I. Joes, and make his friends cry. Um, so it was just, we had these really conflicting messages and we never saw eye to eye on it. And in the tension of like the dysfunction at my home, um, it caused a lot of fights and a lot of, um, just a lot of outrage on his part. And I could see that he was really disappointed that I wasn't this girly girl daughter that he wanted. Um, and when we would have moments of tension about it, he would look at me and say, you know, I always wanted a daddy's girl as a daughter. And so in hindsight, I realized that what my heart took that to mean was I was not the daughter he wanted. And somehow my femininity was hard to be around and it was bringing people pain. So somehow I was defective as a woman and not good enough and could never measure up to like these standards of femininity. That's hard to hear as a father. Yeah. <clears throat> I just want to hearing her, I wanna give her a hug. Yeah. You know, and secondly I I know our Lord said to turn the other cheek, but I just wanna go punch that man. I just mm. But you know I know I've been there too, that my kids haven't been exactly who I'd hoped they'd be. Praise God he's redeemed me from that. But I know I was caught in that place, too, that maybe maybe my boys weren't as masculine as I hope they were. And for me, that's projecting a lot because growing up, I didn't really feel 
masculine either. And so I had to learn that same lesson and I said, praise God, he's redeemed me from that. But I think that's a, I know I'm not the only one. And I know it's more than just Heather's dad and, and me who had a misperception on what I thought our kids are supposed to be and what helped me walk through that to the other side is we are all created in the image of God and God created us individually. And Paul talks about that, that you know, the church is like a body that some are the hands, some are the feet. We're not all the brain. We're not all the eyes. And so I think that's where the church falls into this trap is we aren't listening to Jesus. We're not listening to God. We're also not listening to Paul that we aren't encouraging people's individuality without condemning how sin has to tends to take control of those things. And so I think by not encouraging the individuality, we almost push people to become extra individual. And so I think just we, we almost force people into sin because we want everybody to fit into a very specific small mold. What do you think about that? I may not have understood exactly what you were saying. Um, I think the part I do get is creating an environment for them to be extra and to fall into. Um, we So on Wednesday's class, right, we, we've, this last month, we've talked about um, grooming, right? In this case, like I think about her dad, he wasn't really grooming her um, to become a boy. Yeah. Right? Because the dad wanted her to be a girly girl but when you when you take ridicule and you beat someone down with it and then you say it enough that it becomes reality i think and i don't know maybe that's why i feel like man i just want to punch this guy in the face because that's the way i feel like i'm projecting my own past that you know my parents saying hey you're just going to be a criminal you're going to be a bum you're not going to be any of these things that when it's said enough you start to believe it that I didn't apply myself in school. I didn't do any of that stuff because I was like, why should I? Yeah. Why should I do that if I'm still, I'm just going to end up in the in, in a prison. I'm going to end up living on government subsidies and, you know, things like that. I was like, so I have no <clears throat> motivation to do anything. And to, and, I don't know, man. And, and I think that's what she talked about when you take that pain and then you just put, you project it onto God and be like, it's your fault. I know that. I know what that is. Um, yeah. Hearing you say that made me think, you know, something I heard. I'm not sure if exactly what was said, but what I, what I repeatedly heard from my family, my church, Sean was a quitter. I never saw anything through. And they were right. Like, I did middle school baseball half a season my shoulder started hurting i do have a rotator cuff injury and so there was a physical cause but it was an excuse to quit um you know had an ulcer at 12 um i mean that's screaming but you know i saw that as an opportunity to quit school um i didn't feel comfortable at school so i basically quit in middle school um, and faked being sick for a few years because I felt so uncomfortable being in public and it all just 
fit this mold this sean's a quitter sean doesn't see anything through and i became i became that i was good at school and i was good at those things but i'm just a quitter so i mean why not keep doing it and just i heard that that voice and i I don't even know if that's exactly what people told me but that's what i heard and i fell victim to that that lie and it led me into so much darkness because at one point well everybody's saying i'm just a quitter i'll show them and i will involve myself into this super abusive relationship and i'm not going to quit so so using that what what makes you different than heather and her experience i think at the base of it not much because I'm not equating what she heard from her father to what I heard from my family, but we both heard something that was a lie. We both heard something that was destructive, that wasn't representative of what God planned for our lives, and it led both of us into a dark place willingly. And it's back to the first thing. It presents differently. Fundamentally, it's not that different yeah i would i would agree with you there like do you think do you see similarities between your experience and not being good enough and being a criminal and just and how that affected your identity do you think it actually puts you on similar ground as heather when regards to the effect it had on you i yeah because it's it's a struggle it's a struggle trying to find out who I was and <clears throat> when you don't even know who you are. And then, you know, with her, when she, she talked about having two different congregations, giving her two different Jesuses or two different gospels, it's, it's hard enough as it is, you know, but then to have two different views and telling you two different things, what do you believe? Or do you're like, well, they're both nutty yeah, and I create my own. And I've shared with you that, <laughs> and the class laughs at me because I tell them this experience, like, uh, you know, so growing up where we did, where we grew up at, our parents, literally the whole neighborhood, their parents were never around, and the churches used to come around in vans, and they'd be like, "You want to go to church?" <laughs> you know, like, uh, like, hey, I got some candy for you, right. and literally because we were starving and we had nothing else to do, we're like, sure, let's go. So we went to. Um, uh, a Christian church, you know, it wasn't a church of Christ. It was, you know, but it was a Christian church. And then first assembly came around and then the first Baptist came around and then the Catholic church when well, they didn't come around, but it was like, oh, the church is right there. So we would go over there for, um, our first communion classes, uh, I forgot what they call them. Catechism. catechism yeah. yeah. We would go to catechism and stuff like that. So unfortunately for us, we used church for the wrong reasons and we weren't being taught that despite what Sean thinks of me and despite what my parents think of me, despite what my wife may think about me, the only person that should matter is what Christ thinks of me. And that was never taught. So I was just lost. So it allowed the devil to basically um, step in, to step in and be like, well, let me tell you who you are. And it's messed up that he'd use the church <laughs> to do that. And flying under the cover of darkness, you know, creep in through the back pews and, you know, confessional or, or whatever. Um, that's really, it's interesting. Yeah. Not that surprising, maybe. 
let's uh let's get back to heather um this next uh this next clip is a little bit longer um she's really going to get into um the conversion part of her going from heather to jamie so let's uh go ahead and join her there i decided that i wanted to um, start looking into having taking hormones um, and so i reached out to an endocrinologist and what should have taken me like three months to to have an appointment for took me six weeks and I took that as affirmation like okay like this is this is way easier than it should be and so I ended up starting on hormones and that relief that I felt just from changing my name gender pronouns and and clothing just continued to to magnify exponentially my voice dropped and I felt like things in my body changed like muscle mass uh, shifted, body fat distribution shifted, and I just began to feel more and more comfortable. Like, I am finally, like, starting to look in the mirror and not cringe at who I see. Like, I see this person, and I can actually say, like, wow, I really like who I see. Like, this person is is fun, this person is special, this person's lovable, um, this person has a community, and this person belongs. And I, I started to really enjoy my life as Jamie in a way that I never enjoyed my life as Heather before. And so I, I continued down the road of, I changed my uh, gender marker legally, I changed my name legally, and the last step that I felt like I needed to do to, to be at ease in my body was to pursue top surgery. I had an appointment scheduled to um, just go over the logistics of it and to meet with a surgeon and to see um, what, it, what the recovery process looked like. And as I started taking steps to make this decision more concrete, I started to feel like this uncertainty. Like this, this is where things become really serious. Like I can live with my voice dropping. I can live with um, like having shorter hair or wearing more masculine clothing and not feel the same sense of nerves about it. But like having top surgery is is the thing that cannot be undone and the thing that affects my future more than more than anything else that I've done so far. And I decided that it, the nerves were coming from a place of I'm making a very permanent decision, not from a, is this the right decision for me? I thought I was just scared of the commitment that came along with it. So I ended up having top surgery in February of 2017, 2016. And I remember the first time that I looked down and saw my new chest, I just felt this sinking despair of this is not what I wanted this to look like. This is not, this is not doing what it was supposed to do. Like I was hoping for soul level satisfaction and this is just surface level. Um, and I think so often for trans guys, the like top surgery is the thing that's going to make all of your other problems go away. And for me, it just made me aware of how much deeper these problems were. And once the dust settled from socially transitioning, so everyone knew me as Jamie, I had done all of the steps and I had finally done all of the big, like, big mile markers in transitioning, I realized like I didn't address the problem that was going on in my heart. Man, uh, she said a whole lot there. Did you see any parallels between what Heather said and what Jackie said last week, the big one, the the community, the community aspect really stood out, and that she was seen. And like Jackie said, and and I don't know the rest of Heather's story, but I think that's as Jackie pointed out last week. That's where the church tends to fail: is we're not really good community groups. We hang out a lot. But we said a few weeks ago, if I can't be honest, I can't have a 
good relationship. I can't have a real relationship. And if the only place I can have a relationship is with this, as Jackie said, you know, this group of degenerates out there, then, you know, they don't condemn me. So I'm gonna go hang out with them. So aside from just the <clears throat> homosexuality and let's say the transgender issue, do do we still fail as a community for the other list of sins? <laughs> I think so, but for the opposite reason, mm-hmm. I think. Because when it comes to this, I mean, people who are lost in this LGBT identity, we make that their identity. And so we fail with that. With the other ones, like we talked about before, you know, lust and selfishness and idolatry and lying and all those other things, we act like they aren't happening. And so I think we're ending up with the same problem. The only difference is we're ostracizing one and we're treating the other one as like it doesn't exist. But I think the result is the same is we tend to lead people straight to hell because one, we focus on the sin too much and the other one, we ignore the sin and act like it's not happening. All I can think when you said that it was the Andy Mineo. I know I quote Andy a lot, but man, I think his music is great because he's really calling out the church to be like, we need to be better. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think God said that himself, that we need to be better. Right. <laughs> Paraphrasing. Yeah. Right. But he's like, there's hella churches, but hell is working fine. Yeah. Like, you're right. <clears throat> and I think about, you know, when Jesus, you know, says that, you know, a lot of people will say, I did these things in your name, away from me, you would do it for I never knew you. Like, that really does. And it, it scares me that, to think that the church is full of people who are on that wide road heading to hell, you know, and and they're not gay and they're not trans. Right. Right. Um, but I think it's important. <clears throat> something that was um, brought up in class, you know, I, I posed the question, how would our church handle that? How would it handle a gay couple coming in? How would it handle a trans person walking through our doors? And I know you and I have spoken on it as well, you know, that the older, not all of them, but just to categorize, right, the right. older um members of our church probably would not have be like, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, and then there'll be the parents of like people our age. Right. And sometimes it's hard to believe that. Right. You're like, Oh my gosh, I am old. (laughs) But to be like, Oh, we'd probably be, we would love to believe we'd be more like open. Right. And then we have our group that we have here and that they're like, we'd be okay with them being here, right? And um, it, it just kind of like, I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I do. I, I, what I'm trying to say is old old doctrine, I believe old doctrine is leading people to hell. I don't think new doctrine is, but I see the fight between the Jews and the Gentiles going on right now, right? When we look at, uh, I believe it's the book of Hebrews, when Paul is like just giving it to the to to Israel, like, oh, you guys are horrible, and the Gentiles are like, yeah, you tell them, you tell them, man. And he's like, oh no, hold on, I got something for you too. <laughs> so, 
Well, the question I had when we were talking, describing basically three groups of people, um, where do you think would where do you think Jesus would align closest across that spectrum? Between the three I just said? Yeah, in the church. I think he'd be with the young adults. I honestly do. He'd be like, yeah, I want them to come through these doors, but I'm not going to close my doors to them. We're going to... She ended with, I never... Ad- I never addressed the problem in my heart. And what did Christ do? He went straight to the heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. So it was kind of a loaded question, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I agree. And we hadn't talked about that before. but And, and that's a shame. It, it really is a shame. But I think that's one of the blessings that I'm getting from this, from this class is I'm learning from these young adults. I'm being taught by how they respond, things like that, what they say, because it it is continually refining me and they aren't the the source of truth. Scripture is the source of truth. God, well, God is the source of truth. We see the truth in scripture, but that's why God created the church so that we can help us see the truth help point us back to scripture and say, maybe the way you're doing it isn't exactly right. And in their case, I'm not going to condemn you, but you know, this is, this how I'd roll. And then we do what we're supposed to do and compare it to scripture. And that's consistent with the spirit of Jesus. And so that's just something that I'm learning and I'm not even in the class that much, but still interacting with the young adults in this class. I'm learning. And I think you're right. I think, Jesus would be a lot closer to the mindset of the young adults that like somebody said, you know, I'm okay with it. Just don't try to shove it on me. I think that's what Jesus did. I mean, that's, I mean, the Pharisees hated him for doing that. (laughs) I see what you're doing. (laughs) All right. So uh, let's go ahead and let's walk that dog. So, um, so you're, just so I can catch what you're yeah. saying and make sure I'm not twisting it. Thank you. You're saying you're you're okay not addressing the hard issue. Is that what I'm hearing? That you're just like, just don't push it on me. You do you, boo. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Um, okay. I, that's what I was receiving. Okay. And that's right. why I was like, what? right? But this is the best part, right? This is what this class is about. Yeah. It's about like, okay, hey, I think I'm taking something what you're saying may be the wrong way and versus condemning me for what you think. I No, no, not condemning you versus being bold enough to be like, I may be wrong of what I'm hearing and I'm okay to be like, okay, I'm an idiot. I I took that the wrong way. Right. We're not brave enough to do that. And to (laughs) say, Hey, I, I, I don't think I heard you correctly. So I'm about to reveal to you what I heard from you. And if I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. Cause I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and if not, then we're about to have a very nice, robust conversation. We're going to take a left turn here. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for asking those clarifying questions yeah. is Jesus welcomed everybody in his presence. Not once did he affirm their sin. You know, he said, you know, the well don't need a doctor, the sick do. And we're all sick. We all need Jesus, and not once did Jesus say, yep, keep lying, keep cheating, keep tithing your dill and cumin, 
but and keep neglecting the weighty matters of the law. So regardless of who he was talking to, all the sinners got the same response. I love you, and you've got a heart issue. I'm your perfect example. You can't get to me. I have to come to you, but I'm going to lead you out of that thing. But he got there by walking into it with them, meeting them where they were, not saying, you do you. It's, yep, I see you. There's a better way. And I'm going to pin that there because that, that's actually a question that I asked at the end of the class. So we'll, as soon as we hear uh, Heather's uh, last portion of her, her story here, we'll come back to this affirming question. All right. God asked me to go to this women's conference from the ministry that I had been reading, um, like reading info from. And I was like, again, like, oh, that's crazy. Like, this is a women's conference. I'm a trans guy. I'm not going to bunk up with 12 women and have it be really awkward. But he said to reach out to the women's ministry and I emailed them and I said, hey, I'm a trans guy. Um, I would love to come to your women's conference. I feel like God is asking me to go. Like, what do you say? And they responded just so sweetly. They said, like, we would love to have you part of this, like, as Jamie. Um, we will give you your own room at no extra charge. Um, we will do whatever we can do to remove barriers and to reduce the white noise, because clearly God is doing something in your heart, and we want to make space for that. And I had no excuses not to go to this women's conference, just like I had no excuses to go to church. And I, the most impactful thing at that women's conference was a message called Your New Name. And the premise of it was that we receive names um, based off of our wounds. So mine were like defective femininity, hard to love, pain bringer. And in the response time after the message, the name that I got from God was Daddy's Girl. And that flipped that wound from my dad on its head. And I... I just, I think I cried for like three days. Um, like it was exactly what my heart needed to hear. Like all of the clothing, all of the names, all of the pronouns aside, like I was my daddy's girl and he delighted in me simply because I existed. Before I did anything, before I messed up, before I did any uh, anything that was good, he just delighted in me. And I knew in that moment that, okay, I'm supposed to go back to living as Heather, but I can't go back to that prescriptive femininity. And I never felt God prioritize my clothing or my um, hair or what anything that I, anything external. All of that was secondary to Him. What I felt He was prioritizing was me understanding that the fact that I am a woman is defined by the fact that He calls me His daughter. Like my femininity resides in the fact that I'm my daddy's girl. Nothing else. He didn't tell me to change what I was wearing. Like I still still wore men's clothing for months after that. But it was a posture shift in my heart of, I can begin to hear good things from God about myself as Heather, as this person that I hated, as this person that I tried to never have to interact with again. Like I could hear good things about her and I could begin to love her. Praise God for that church. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> I love that. Oh. I just filled my heart with so much joy. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good segue that you <laughs> led me into that. And I, man, praise God for those women. And praise God for her response. Because you listen to the news, people will say, well, giving her a special place to go is hateful. You know, that 
you would need to welcome them into your space as who they are. Anyway, but God working in Heather's heart is Jamie and God working in those women to know how to walk that line saying, understanding all people are broken and seeking something for their lives. They knew God is calling everyone everywhere in whatever situation to himself. He was the only one that could make those women whole. He was the only one that was going to make Heather whole. He's the only one that makes any of us whole. And <clears throat> I, I've watched this video like five times and every single time she said, he delighted in me. I just get chills. I get chills, right? Because she followed up. He delighted in me before I did these things. And he delighted me in me even after I did these things. The first video we watched, Jackie said the exact same thing, hmm. right? I think I, I <clears throat> as a as a dad to girls, the one thing I, I always emphasize is you don't need a man's affirmation. You just need God's affirmation. Yep. Like if you build your identity around that, you're going to be good. I want to pass on the one thing that wasn't passed on to me, that your dad, I'm, I'm glad that you, you seek my affection, you seek these things. But even if I was to fail you as a father, there's only one real father and he'll never fail you. Right. And, you know, we keep going back to this. They knew what they were doing when they designed this. If our identity is in God, it's not in our gender. It's not in our sin. If our identity is God, if we know we're created in the image of God, and then we know we we are loved, our sin's not loved, but we are loved. I don't care what you say about me. And I probably will have a better chance of not listening to the voice in my head, you know, that weird sounding voice of the demon on your shoulder from a couple weeks ago. Uh, would you like him? I could yeah, call him back out yeah. if you like. <laughs> Tell us what he would say. <laughs> oh, Jeff Anthony. Oh, look what they're saying about you. <laughs> I would care. But if I'm grounded in my identity as a child of God, as a son of God, created in the image of God, then I can stand up against the lies from the outside and the lies from the inside and say, you're wrong. No, I'm not going to do that because that's not who I was. That's not who I was created to be. And that's not who you called me to be. A posture shift in the heart. Yeah. And then it, <clears throat> when she said that, it made me think about, you know, what, postures like your stance or like the way you're standing. Right. When you were talking about your story about the trees, how it looked all like uh, there's no order here. And then you change your pot, your view. And yeah. then it's like, oh, my goodness, it, it's all in order. Right. Yeah. And she saw the trees in order, man. And yeah, for her to be like, um, I'm his. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it just fills my heart <clears throat> to hear people and hear their testimonies when, when we see he's been there the whole time, the whole time, man. And, and today in service, man, I, I was very emotional. Just, I, I mean, I maybe cried three quarters of the way. Nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm not, a, I know I'm not, I'm not unique in the story. But the part where we're fools to think that we can walk millions of miles away from our God, right? And 
And that's exactly what I thought I did. I didn't have to run back. Hmm. Why not? He was there. I just turned, I turned around. One thing I did for a million miles is I turned my back on him, but he never once turned his back on me. Hmm. That's a real friend. That's a real father. And I'll never stop crying about it. My tears now are more of joy, more than the shame, the shamefulness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to go into there because it's not a feeling. It is just evidence. And when I reflect back in my life, and this is why we do things live. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties. Uh, not today, Satan. Not today. Yeah. Um, the evidence in my life, looking back, of saying, how, how did I survive that? How did I get through that? How, 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 how? He's how. Yep. And it's, more, it's no more a feeling, but now it's actual truth and fact. That was a note I made. <laughs> in in this class and we'll get to it later in the summer with apologetics but you know we should be asking what are the facts that underlie that emotional experience and when it comes to god he is truth kind of water truth down into facts and then we water facts down into feelings but understanding that our version of facts is moving us back towards God and God is the truth. So what is the truth that underlies those feelings? I think you're saying those feelings reflect the truth that God is and who he is in your life. And you mentioned he's always been there. You turn your back on him. When you turned around, you saw his truth and all its glory and he wasn't condemning you. And there's going to be feeling, there's going to be an emotional response to that, but those, that emotion, that emotional response isn't the truth. God is the truth. You think that's on point with very much how you so. felt? Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do want to talk about feeling. Heather speaks about it. Jackie speaks about it. Um, <clears throat> the I'm, I'm not going to say their names because I can't remember them, and I just don't want to use names to... Right. <laughs> Somebody. But the the... The other two men from last week's video yep. and uh, the other um, young lady in this video, um, they hit on the part of like how their feelings left them, led them astray to what actual truth was. So I, I a lot of what I was saying too is like, I, I stopped living in feeling and start seeing reality of what's there. You know, I, when I think about Amazing Grace, when they're like, you know, I was once blind, like those are the things I think about. I was, my feelings, basically, it was, it was, I was blinded by the feelings I had, at feelings of rage, feelings of all these different things that were not gifts of the spirit. You catch them when I'm thrown out, they're not really. <laughs> I, I, I think so. I mean, I hear you talking about what they've said, these feelings, like we said at the beginning led you away from God and all you, I imagine like plugging your ears to the noise and then turning your back on your feelings and turning your face to the truth because God loves us and because God's glory is good for us. There is going to be naturally positive feelings associated with that, but they're a reflection of God's glory as opposed to a reflection of our sinfulness. 
And kind of like Hut said this morning, we aren't saved by works, but we're saved to do good works. And I think God redeems us not because of our feelings, but once he redeems us, we can't but feel joyful. We can't help but feel shameless. Like we talked a few weeks ago that, man, look at that mess that I was. Look how great our God is. All I can think about, and it's so, thank you, Lord. It's like Peter, man. He was the old man of the group. And when they said, he's not there, he's risen, he outran everybody. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like that's the moment because he let it all go. Yeah. Right. And and that's the way it is. Like he went. I when he ran, I felt like he knew it wasn't to go confirm that he wasn't there. He knew he wasn't there. Yeah. Like it clicked. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that. But I, just, I could just imagine that old dude like I get like if uh, Peyton and Caleb, Caleb, I'm interested because he's a runner, you know, like m- me in my 40, almost 44 year old outrunning him yeah <laughs> i like, like to see that race yeah <laughs> i got the spirit <laughs> we do have we do have doctors in the in the church so maybe we'll make sure they're on standby yeah call lane he'll he'll help me out for sure <laughs> but you know uh, to him we talked about it last, last week right um uh, jesus revealed that he was the messiah to uh the well the woman at the well yep. but god revealed through the spirit to peter that Jesus was the Messiah. Yeah. Right? And that's where I'm correlating, like, Peter knew. That's why he outran the young kids. Because what did what did he just do? He, he turned his back. He ran away. Yeah. And now he's running too. Yeah. But the beautiful thing, our Jesus isn't even making us do what Peter did. Yeah. We don't have to run. Yeah. We, he's there. We can't. Yeah. And for me, it's, it was just realizing that, that... I was running the wrong direction, you know, and back in the day I was a sprinter. Um, but, <laughs> but all I had to do was stop running, stop running. And because God is eternal and omnipresent, he's not pantheism. He's not in everything like that, but he is eternal and he is always there. All we have to do is just stop digging, <laughs> drop the shovel and turn around. And Heather does a great job of saying it. There's there was no excuse why I couldn't go to church. Yeah. Right. And and those ladies, they're like, cool, we'll get you your own room. Yeah. Just come, come as you are. Yeah. I mean, and I was thinking, listening to that, like if anybody had an excuse not to go to church, it was probably her. Yeah. And I, I just, I praise God for <clears throat> giving those women wisdom at that moment to be like, you're not excluded, you're included. Right. You know, it, to hear the part, right? Because she goes, oh, she announced, she called saying, hey, I am this. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like that could only have been the supernatural gift of the spirit because I think anybody thinking in their right mind, inside or outside church, if you're not bought into that, would be like the metaphorical ret- record scratch. <laughs> At least like, hold on a second. <laughs> exactly but and maybe they did maybe they did pause a little bit maybe they had to oh lord give me wisdom and heather didn't hear that or god smoothed that over and heard that she heard what she was supposed to hear those women said 
what they were supposed to say. And, and just reflecting on it since then, we have those kind of women here in the church. You know, our brides and the other women here love Jesus desperately and want everybody to come back to him. So I'm confident that a lot of women in this church could respond the same way. Not, not only the women, I, I believe our congregation is a majority of our congregation are just like these women. And I'm just thinking right now, <clears throat> she, she made a phone call and the right person was on the line when we literally said, screw it with church and screw it with God that we saw a VBS sign, <laughs> you know, God was like, hold my wine. <laughs> right? so, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> right. Of all the group, of all the people who, who pick up that line, it was Kevin Lombard. And to hear, uh, you know, we don't really believe in God, but we want our kids to come to VBS. And do you guys have room? Of course we do. Yeah. It's the best place for you. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. That's something I can draw to. Like, and I, maybe that's why, like, right now I'm thinking, like, wow, why is her story really calling to me? Huh. It, yeah. God puts people in the right place, right? God told Solomon, don't cut that baby in half. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like, the wisdom that he provides us is amazing. And <clears throat> so the question, how do we help? and show love without affirming their sin. I think there's a few pieces to that answer, but like we've talked about in men's ministry, it takes a relationship and that doesn't happen overnight. It takes work, it takes presence. And I keep saying, you can't expect people who don't know Jesus to act like they know Jesus. And so being willing to have those relationships with people and understanding it can't be in this building, maybe. You know, there's a man in this church who's invited a friend, and he's got the parking lot, and he's afraid to come in. Hutt was talking about it. If you think you don't belong in this building, you're wrong. <laughs> and it's not about you. <laughs> it's about God. I love that Hutt said that. You know, it's not about, are we good enough for God? Is God good enough for us? And if I have that mindset, is God we talked about before, we like to make God really small, put him in this little box, belongs in this box, he belongs in this building. But God calls us into the world, not to be part of the world, but this is where we are. And Jesus showed us that example. And he built, he built relationships with people who didn't know God. And he taught them how to be like God. We need to remember that, like Jackie pointed out, temptation isn't sin. And I think the last point is you lie, but you're not a liar. I don't identify you by that. I don't, I don't hate you enough to identify you as your sin. I need to love somebody else so much that I won't condemn them to their identity because that's not who they are. You lie, you cheat, you have stolen, you're not a liar you're not a thief. You're not a cheater. Those are sin, but you aren't your sin. God calls us out of that. And when we look at sexual sin, the same way we look at every other sin, it is all an abomination before God. But the only way we're going to 
lead the world back to him is by going to them and speaking the truth with grace, absolute truth on the issue, but grace with the person. And I'm not exactly how to sure, sure how to do that all the time, but I'm getting better. The person has to be dealt with with supernatural grace, but the issue has to be regarded with God's truth. I think if we walk into the world and we see people where they are, we don't condemn them to their sin. We say, man, I've been broken. I've been lost. I've been really confused about my identity. Can I tell you about this God? Can I, can I show you what he's done in my life? I texted you this morning, <laughs> Revelation, the apocalypse of John. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And our testimony isn't I'm perfect. The testimony is I am a sinner saved by grace. You can, that can be your testimony too. All I had in my head was casting crowns and just nobody trying to tell everybody. <laughs> and that should, that's, that should be, that's, that's the way it should be. And <clears throat> so my challenge still remains the same. I constantly challenge people to get uncomfortable, whether it be transgender, homosexuality, premarital sex, pornography, masturbation. There's more, right? There was the list. <laughs> I tried to go through the course. Basically everything that we went. You have to have conversation, earnest conversation. Don't go in being like, oh, hey, tell me, tell me about this. And then be like, well, you know what? Let me dump the Bible on you. Right. Right. And... I appreciate you so much because when you and I have conversation, it, it, it's uncomfortable because it, it's hard when you have someone who genuinely cares for you that is going to ask questions to be like, before I open my mouth and give and give, give you advice or give give you what I see, <clears throat> I want to know clarity clarity wise what you're saying. Not many people do that. Many people are like, okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take what I heard and then I'm gonna run with that and that's it. I don't really care. I want to be heard more than um, to hear you. And I think it's important when we have these conversations with people and we're uncomfortable to be silent. And we said that in Wednesday's class, right? When we were talking about, you know, in, in, in my case about sexual assault, right? Is when somebody opens up to you, sometimes some of the best things to do is just to be just shut up. Don't say anything. Present. <laughs> yeah. And allow them to be like, what do you think? Or how can you help me? And I, I tend to do now, like when my wife calls me, and I'll be like, okay, are we venting or you're asking me to fix something? Because <laughs> typically we, that's all we want to do, right? We want to fix things versus sometimes it'll be like, oh, I didn't ask you to fix it. Yeah. It's a hard lesson for me to learn. <laughs> You know, and I think that's the, the same scenario we should take is like, if, if we're going to reach the broken world, we need to understand what their disease or their ailment is in order to give the medicine. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's what Heather said. That endocrinologist should have listened more. The endocrinologist didn't want to listen. The endocrinologist wanted to prescribe. And what the other, the wise endocrinologist said is there's more than meets the eye. We need to understand 
more about this situation before we shove these lost people full of experimental drugs. They're fundamentally no different than me and you, just they're more dangerous because their prescription can have life-altering effects. Yeah, man, that it's another hour talk and just that. We're going to be able to go over that this summer. So, so I'm probably going to leave that there, but I do want to leave that Heather recognized that, right? And because she didn't have people who saw her, that she felt that the risk was worth it. And and that's what we're dealing with with Denison and why it's so important for us to have conversations with people regarding all sorts of levels of different types of sins. So I'm going to leave it there. Now, <clears throat> next week, there is no video. It is a 100% Q&A. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> yes. So... Whether it be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 35 minutes, this is your time to ask questions, not only regarding the last two weeks, but just anything in general that we've been talking about since January. Um, I feel like I want to open it for that whole entire thing and not just these two things because all of it's the same. All of it is a sexual sin. All of it is a mess. So, all of its identity. Yeah. Would you like to have any last thoughts on this podcast no just we need to keep having these conversations so i've talked about the other things in apologetics have these conversations here in a safe place not in public so when we leave this building i mean even leave the room because lord willing they're in the lobby people who are struggling with sin regardless of what it is hopefully they're in the lobby and we can invite them into fellowship because everybody needs to be at the cross if everybody is welcome at the cross, everybody should be welcome in this building. And that's the, that's the distinction that we Christians have to be able to make is I can welcome you without welcoming your sin, but I can't lead you out of your sin if I can't see your true identity in Jesus and realize that there's already a disconnect there. So I can't beat you up about your false identity. I have to seek wisdom. I have to be in the word so that I can see where you are. I can see who you're supposed to be. And I can see how to get there. And through the supernatural wisdom of the spirit and a godly fellowship with other believers, if I don't know, somebody else might. But seeking that solution to close that gap between who they think they are, who I may think they are, and who God says they are, and realizing that the cross bridged that gap. So I don't have to define a way. Jesus already did that for me, and he will make a way across that gap so that we can find our identity in Christ. Thank you, brother. As always, it's a pleasure to have you, and uh, we look forward to you coming back in a couple weeks. Yeah. And uh, leading us through apologetics. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm excited. I miss y'all. Um, I like the class I'm teaching, but... My heart's over here. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward about three weeks, I think. Yeah. Well, we're looking so. forward to it. We're looking forward to it. If you would do the pleasure of praying us out, please. Yeah. Father in heaven, Lord, you are creator. You are almighty. But you are Abba, your daddy. May we remember that. That you are a perfect 
loving daddy who cares for us, who wants the best, but we're so lost, Lord. Give us ears to hear your truth. Give us eyes to see the broken. Father, we'd have a heart that longs to see reconciliation. I thank you for these young men and women that you've brought into this ministry. Lord, I thank you for what we're learning from each other. Lord, be real every day. Overwhelm us all with your presence. Strengthen us for tomorrow. Lead us closer to you. We praise you. We thank you. Because none of this would be possible without the death and resurrection of our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. This concludes this week's podcast. Just remember, when the world tries to get you to backslide, all you got to say is, Nah, bruh.